the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says in verse 13, "...in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession." unto the praise of His glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. That's a lot more than we'll get covered tonight. But would you think with me the last of verse number 14. The last of verse number 14. And again in the Greek text from verse number 3 to verse number 14 is one sentence. And you know, all of this one sentence is to reveal unto us the working of God in our personal salvation. For the praise to His glory. So I'm saved. If you're saved today... You might say, well, God saved us that we could go to heaven. I tell you, the main purpose in God saving us was for the praise of His glory. (laughs) To glorify God. I mean, you know, this verse that Paul wrote to the Galatians, They didn't know me by face. They only heard that he which persecuted us in the times past now preaches the faith, that faith in Christ, which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. What what were they doing? I tell you, they were praising God for the change that God made in the person, the Apostle Paul from the person that he used to be. You know, your your salvation should be, my salvation should be to glorify the grace and glorify God in what He's done for us. There should be such a change, such a difference in our lives. And you know, it ought to, it ought to, it ought to be to me in this sense that I am so amazed, so overcome, so 
overcome in my mind of what I was and what God has done for me that I cannot keep my mouth and my life closed up to what God has done. It should be such a change. And you might say, well, that didn't happen to me. Do we have real salvation? Are we genuinely saved? You know, by this Word of God, all that God has done in choosing us, in making us holy, in making us blameless, in adopting us as children, in bringing us in to the Beloved, in shedding His blood and bringing forgiveness of our sins. Do you know what I deserved? Do you know what you deserved? We deserve the wrath of God to fall on us. And God has done all of this that you could be brought into the family of God for the praise of His glory. So is He receiving that? What is, what is coming from our lives since God? Now you answer this for you individually. Let, let's, just, let's just say the last, the last month, how much glory has God been given from you individually for His saving you? How much? Been anything unusual come out of your mouth, out of your life, out of your actions? Any, anything that God's revealed to you in His Word that you've told us about in the last month for the praise to His glory? So with that being said, am I living up to this salvation? Am I... Am I bringing forth what God saved me for? You know, it, it's just like, well, God owes us that. <laughs> Does God owe you anything? I tell you, if God owes you anything, it's not grace, is it? Grace is getting what I don't deserve. Grace is getting something I didn't work for. Grace is getting something that is unmerited. There's, there's nothing in my life that would merit grace. You know, I believe this. I believe, we'd, I believe the honest to God truth is, for the most part, people would like for you to get off of this. You know, that, that really puts me on the spot, preacher. That really puts me on the spot that I'm not glorifying God. I say that I'm saved, and I'm not really glorifying God. Could you move on to something else? That's what He saves you for. That's why you are saved, is to glorify Him. And you know, all of this, which is the earnest of our inheritance, what is the earnest of our inheritance? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, if you want to call it the down payment, that's all right. If you want to call it the first installment, that's all right. But it is a part of what is yet to come. We have the earnest. We have a part of what is yet to come. So, 
which is the earnest, we have the Spirit, we have the first fruits, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, under the praise of His glory. So, if there's no praise to His glory, do I have an inheritance? By what I'm reading in this Word of God, if I have an inheritance, it's going to bring praise to His glory. If there's no praise to His glory, do I have the first of what is yet to come? You see, it's that Spirit within you that brings praise to the glory, to His glory, and praise to the glory of His grace. So if, that, if there is no praise to His glory, is there any Spirit within us? Is there any Holy Spirit within us if there's no praise to His glory? Would you think on that? Would you honestly think on that? No praise. Why is there no praise? No Spirit. Why is there no Spirit? Because if there is, if there is the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you, there should be praise to His glory. But if there is no Spirit, no praise, no Spirit, then it must mean there's no belief of the truth. It must mean that there is no genuine salvation. Oh, I know I'm saved. How do you know you're saved? Do you know you're saved because of what you've done? Do you know you're saved because uh, uh, of some um, action that you have taken back through the years? Or do you know that you're saved because you can take your life and lay it down beside the Word of God and I can lay my life down and say, you know, my life brings praise to the glory of God. That I, I, out of my heart, I want to praise and glorify God for what He's done for me. God help me to lay my life down beside what the Bible says is God's expectation. You know, and, and I guess there's quite a bit of truth to it. If you would say that you're a missionary Baptist, then you might be accused of, well, you believed once saved, always saved, that you're saved and you can live any way you want to. I don't believe that. The Bible will not back that up. I do believe that if a man is genuinely saved, he is genuinely saved eternally. For what God does is forever. But would you also say this, that through your life, you have known many people in your life that has claimed to be saved they have lived a life separated from God, no praise to God, no church for God. I mean, God loved His church. That's who He died for, isn't it? He died for His bride. And people don't want to be a part of the church, but yet they say they're going to heaven. You know why they think that? Because they've heard that once saved, always saved. Because they've heard that, well, if you made a profession, that's good enough. I tell you, there's got to be a life that goes with it. And by what Paul is saying, there's praise for a genuine child of God who is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. There is praise to His glory.
You know, I can't, I can't shove that down your throat. I can't make you believe that. I can't change your mind. God will have to change your mind. But the Word of God says this, if you've got genuine salvation, He called you, He saved you for praise to His glory and praise to the glory of His grace. I believe you could say this, Paul is wanting the church down at Ephesus to know this. To really know who they are and what has been done for them in Christ Jesus. Verse number 16. Verse 15. Wherefore, I also, you're for the praise of His glory. You've been saved. You've been called. You've been chosen. You've been predestined. You've been made wise. You've been called. You have heard and God after you have heard and you've put your trust in. You have hoped in. What do I hope in? I hope in the gospel that was preached to me. I don't mean, I don't mean a hope that I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers and I'm really hoping and, and trusting and, and just believing, you know, that somehow, no, I tell you, I have a certain expectation that is grounded and founded in the Word of God. The gospel of your salvation. <laughs> Who first trusted in the Word of God? After that you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. There's where my hope is, friend. There is all of my hope. All of my hope is in the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. Not only what He's done, but also I have a certain expectation in what God started before Jesus ever came to the world. What the Holy Ghost has done after Jesus went back to heaven. You see, my salvation is wrapped up in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. I don't believe that a man could have genuine God-sent Holy Ghost salvation without the work of all three of the Godhead. And all three are one, and all three have one purpose and one goal. And honest to God, if we read this epistle and we read these first 15, 14 verses, you know what the goal is? that God would be glorified. That's the goal of your salvation. That God would be glorified because He saved you. I wonder if He's getting what should be coming to Him. I wonder if He's getting that. Paul said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith, What's their trace? What's their trust in? What's their faith in? After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. So let's think about this. We don't see it right here, but if you'll read and, and you'll look at it, we can see it. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Savior and in the Lord, so my faith 
What's my faith in? My faith is in that Jesus died. So what is He? He's my Savior. So multitudes of people in this world would love to have a Savior. But I have faith in my Savior, but also in a Lord. He is not only my Savior, but He is also my Master. He is also my Lord. He is also the one that I am servant to. He is also the one that I am under obligation to. He is also the one that they sung about this morning that I have been bought with a price and I am no longer my own. He is not only my Savior, but He is also my Lord. You know, as we talked a minute ago about all these people that made a profession and they've gone away from God and they've never lived in what the Bible would say a Christian life. You know what they thought they had? They got a Savior in their mind, but they did not get a Lord. I ask you this, is the Lord Jesus Christ divided in salvation and being a Lord? Can He be a Savior and not be a Lord? No, ma'am and no, sir. He is both Savior and Lord. If I get saved, if I come to the knowledge and I come to be saved, do you know this? That there is an automatic, without any thought, without any uh, 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 contemplating on it, that I get a Lord, as Brad says sometimes, when the Holy Spirit moves in at my salvation, when that indwelling of the Spirit of God comes, that alarm system that He is my Lord, that goes off. He's not only a Savior. I don't only have faith in a Savior. I also have faith in a Lord. He is not just a Savior. You see, a lot of folks have made a trip to the altar that they might escape whatever was troubling them at the moment. But when they left, know this, if He is not their Lord, He is not their Savior. I'll say that again. If He is not your Lord, He is not your Savior. You need not think that a profession made 35 years ago with no lordship from 35 years ago until this day need not think that if there is no lordship of Jesus Christ, there is no salvation of that Jesus Christ either. We have a faith. I thank God when I heard of your faith. I also, after I heard of your faith... In the Lord Jesus. So He's the Savior, but He is also the Lord. And love unto the saints. So, can I have, can I have salvation and not have love? Can I have salvation and not have a Lord? Both of those come in the package. If a man really gets saved, He's got a Lord over him. You think about the context of this. Think about this day. When this was written. You know what was for sale all over Rome? Slaves. When that slave was bought, who did that slave answer to? The buyer? 
Would that be a fair statement? Have we been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ? If you're really saved, have you been bought? Have you been purchased? Has there been a price? What was the price for your salvation? I, I, I would ask you this. If someone gave you a kidney, if someone gave you a portion of their liver, would you talk about them? Would you, would you tell other people what they had done for you? How in the world can it be that God has bought us, saved us from hell? And there's nothing even sitting in the house of God that is ever said about Him. How, how could that be? You know, I think about Chris. Chris Sherlin. His sister went down there and they grew stem cells out of her. I mean, that wasn't a liver. That wasn't a kidney. They didn't have to open her up and take a portion out of her in that sense. But you know, his life today is because of that donation that his sister gave to him. The Lord Jesus Christ bought with His death my salvation. Not only did He give a portion of Himself, He gave all of Himself. He even submitted to death, even a death on the cross, even the most, the most hideous death that could ever be, the greatest suffering that could ever be, the greatest rejection that ever could be, the rejection of God Almighty having to turn His back on the spotless, blameless Lamb of God that you could be saved and there's nothing to be said for Him. You know, that's just hard to think on, isn't it? I mean to think that the Lord might pass by in a service and there is nothing in you. You see, you're alive because of Him. Right? You're not going to hell because of Him. And that the Lord would pass by in a service. Now just think. I got a kidney. I got a portion of a liver. And that man shows up to church on a Sunday. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, hey church, this man right here, this is the man that gave me a kidney. This is the reason I'm alive today because of the sacrifice that this individual was willing to give for me. I'd like for you to just... I, I just like to thank him personally today and let you know this is the man... This is the man and the reason that I'm alive today. And I am saved from the wrath of God and from eternal and everlasting punishment in the region of the damned from the fire and the, uh, the wrath of God. And the Lord comes by in service and there is nothing. I don't even acknowledge that He's here. Could you do to that 
to somebody that gave you a kidney, that gave you a liver, that gave you... What if, what if in giving you a liver and you lived, they died? I ask you this, if their family came to church, if some of their family came to church, would you acknowledge? My, my, my. Can you see what the Lord Jesus has done for us? Does He deserve recognition? You know, we tried to talk just a few days back. And all thy ways, acknowledge Him. Right here is acknowledging Him. Oh, Paul says, I, when I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, when I hear of your salvation, of the Savior, of the Lord, and love unto all the saints. So, again, can I have Christ without love? You know, I believe Paul said it like this, if I don't have love, all that I'm talking about and all that I'm saying is nothing but a big noise, a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. But I ask you this, where, where should my love, where should my devotion, where should that, where should that go to? What, should, what would the object of my love, what should that love be put on? What should you see? Where should you see my love going? Shouldn't it go to the one who died for me? The one who brought me into the family of God? Should there not be a devotion and a love there? I ask you this. If I say, if I say to you, I'm saved, and I never have any love for the Lord Jesus, you know what you're going to think about me? He's just a blow. There ain't nothing to him. He's just a loud mouth. He's just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. There ain't nothing to him. Our love, ladies and gentlemen, exemplifies, and Jesus Christ should be the object of our love. So, let's think about this. Would you say this? Jesus said, I believe it's in the book of John. He said, no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. No greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You and I can see that, can't we? I tell you, there's a greater love than that. You and I were the enemies of God. He laid down His life that we could be friends of God. He laid down His life that you and I might be made the friends of God. He did that for us. No greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Listen to uh, Romans chapter number 14. Romans chapter 14. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, rose and revived that He might be the Lord both of the living and the dead. Is He the Lord? So think about that for a moment. Is He the Lord of the dead? 
How much more is He the Lord of my life? How much more should... And I don't mean that the wrong way. Maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. Maybe I should say, how much more should He be the Lord of my life? If He's the Lord and He is completely the Lord of the dead, how much more should He be the Lord of my life? How much more should He who has saved me be exalted as my Lord? He's our Savior and our Lord according to what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So what must, what must we have? We must have the Spirit of God. We must have. That's the only way. If He's not my Lord, what's missing? The indwelling Spirit of God is missing. It must be missing because if He is my Lord and He has saved me and He has died for me, would I not want to love Him and glorify His name for what He's done for me? Paul is, I've heard of your faith, I've heard of your love. Paul says this in in Philippians chapter number 2, a very familiar scripture. Uh, Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 2, Fulfill you my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Well, what's he saying there? That not only should I have a love for God, but I should have a love for my fellow man. That if I love Him who begot, if I love Him who brought me into the family, if I, brought, if I love Him who brought me in and, and He told Nicodemus, you must be born again, if I love Him who begot, I should also love those that are begotten, shouldn't I? I should love you with that same kind of love. And you know, Paul says here to the Philippians, Fulfill you my love that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one mind, of one accord, of one mind. You know what he wants me to do? He wants me to love everybody. What's the story here at Ephesus? Well, Paul loved them just like he loved the Jews. When Peter went down to Cornelius' house, when the Holy Ghost fell, you know what Peter loved? Peter loved the Gentiles just like he loved the Jews. Because they were all, you see, we're all one family in Christ Jesus. We're all brought into the family by this same Word of God. We're all brought into the family by the working of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Paul says, I heard of your faith and your love unto all saints. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What's Paul praying for? Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, there He is again, there He is the Lord Jesus Christ. There He is the one that is over. There He is the one that is, that, that, that is in authority. The one that is my boss. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So, now you think about this. What are we? I tell you, we are in Christ. And I may not know what all I have, but I do know this. I'm an heir of God, and I'm a joint heir of Jesus Christ right now. In my mind, honestly, I, I just thought about it this afternoon. In my mind, I think about an heir of Jesus Christ, an heir of Christ, and, and, and a, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and an heir of God. You know, I think about that out there somewhere. But I'm an heir right now. I'm a child of God right now. I'm in the family right now. So being in Christ gives me a right to all. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ now. What's Paul praying for? That they might come to the knowledge of who they are and what they've got in Christ. What do we have in Christ? What is my position? I tell you this, that Jesus Christ, my life is hid away with Christ in God. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ now. I realize there's more to come, but I wonder how much of what has been given are we using today? So let's think about this. What do we have? Paul is praying this. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. What's he praying for? That your eyes might be opened. Not in the natural eye, the spiritual eye. The eyes of your understanding, your heart. That our heart might be opened that our inner man might receive and understand what God has done for us. So, let's just think about a few verses right here. That the Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Now, he's not talking about the Holy Ghost. We have that. They have that. They have the earnest of the Spirit, right? But he's talking about this, that you, in, inside of you, You might have the spirit of wisdom. You might have the spirit of revelation. So what kind of spirit are you in today? Do you have an ill spirit? Do you have a happy spirit? Do you have a a victorious spirit? What's Paul praying for? That you might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That I might have a desire. That I might have a hunger that I might have a longing, that my inner man, that my innermost part of me might have a longing and a desire to know more about what Jesus, what He has done for me, what I have in Him, what has uh, been done for me, and what I have and have available to me through my relationship with Christ. I'm praying that God may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So as you think about this, think with me, read with me in Colossians. In Colossians 1 and 9. 
For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, since we heard of your love in the Spirit, since we heard of your salvation, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So you mean there's more than just being saved? Absolutely. Salvation is the beginning. Salvation is only the beginning of what God has done. There is a greater revelation of what we have in Christ in this world, what we have in Christ in the world to come, what there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said to the Colossian church, I'm praying that God might that you might be fulfilled. I desire that you'd be filled. I desire that your knowledge, your wisdom might overflow. How much are we searching for, desiring, have a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation? How much are we desiring? God, would you, would you open? Do you read every day? Do you read the Word of God every day? So if you sit down and you do read the Word of God every day, when you sit down, do you ask God? Do you ask God to reveal something? Do you ask God, would, Lord, would you open this to me? I know, Lord, that you let Peter write this Scripture down, but Peter was moved on by the Holy Ghost. God, would you give me the same mind? Would you give me that Spirit? Would you give me that enlightenment? God, would you let my heart and my mind, would you let me be able to see into this what Peter was really saying to me, what you wanted me to understand? Lord, would you pull the covers off of this for me? If I'm reading so I can put a number on the board, that's worthless. If I'm reading to say, well, Greg, did you read any? Well, I read 19 chapters on Tuesday. Did I read with a desire and a longing and a spirit to, to have wisdom and, and knowledge and understanding? Did I want God to unveil it, to, uh, uh, to reveal it to me? You, you might think this is silly, but I tell you that's what Paul, Paul is praying for a group of people that are saved for a group of people that do have the Spirit, for a people, of, a people that have the earnest of the inheritance. He's praying for them that they might have more. Salvation is only the beginning. I pray, cease not to make mention of you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Read with me in Colossians 2. Colossians 2, verse 2 and verse number... Their hearts might be comforted, knit together in love, unto all riches, the full assurance and understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What do I need to know? I need to know more about Jesus. Right? Because in Him is all wisdom, all knowledge. In Him is all, all of being able to put what God has written down into daily practice. God, help me to know, to understand what you're saying. And God, give me the wisdom to put what you've said into daily practice. 
Second Peter chapter one. This Bible, ladies and gentlemen, this Bible, honest to God, from 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 Genesis to Revelation, is Jesus Christ. You go to Leviticus, you think Leviticus is man, I can't read Leviticus. That is terrible. I tell you, if you could have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, God could show you in those feasts the Lord Jesus Christ. God could show you in those feasts Jesus on the cross. God could show you in those feasts the day of Pentecost. God could show you in those feasts the coming of the Holy Spirit. God could show you in Leviticus Jesus Christ is in Leviticus. Jesus Christ is in Exodus. Jesus Christ is in Numbers. Jesus Christ is in Deuteronomy and Judges and Joshua and First and Second Samuel and Kings and Chronicles and all through the Bible, Jesus Christ is there. But ladies and gentlemen, we're missing out. We're missing out on the glorious life we could live because we're not looking for Him. Leave Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter two. I'm sorry, verse two. Second Peter chapter two, verse two. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Grow how? Grow spiritually. Grow in assurance. Grow in Christ. Grow in knowledge. Grow in wisdom. Grow. You know something? <laughs> Friday, we was picking up hay and Grady's two oldest kids come. And I tell you, you talk about working like little Trojans. His little boy, probably 10 or 11, and a little girl, 9 or 10, worked unbelievably how they worked all day long. But Grady's youngest son said this, I said, have you been doing anything today? No, I can't pick it up. But you know what will happen? Just think about that and put that spiritually. If we'll grow, if he'll grow, it won't be long till he'll be able to pick it up too. It won't be long, ladies and gentlemen, that I could grow to a place that I can help my brother, I can help my sister, I can help my fellow man. If I can grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of Christ, I can be a benefit. You know, I'm a newborn babe. You know what I need? I need some milk. Joseph, I need you to give me some milk that I can grow. Uh, these children need milk that they can grow. We need spiritually, when we're first born into the family of God, we need the milk of the Word of God. But I need an appetite. I believe a baby that is alive. I believe a baby that is alive, it won't be no time. And you know, we can bring that from a dog to a goat to a sheep to a calf a friend to a giraffe, to a hippopotamus, uh, to a human being, a baby that is alive, it won't be but just a few moments until there will be a desire for the milk. 
Are we alive? Have we been made alive by the mother of the Word of God? Have we been made alive? You are begotten again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Do we have a desire today for more to grow? Paul is praying that the church at Ephesus might grow. Is that applicable in 2023 for us? It certainly is. Do you, why would you think that Paul wrote this letter? I mean, it looks like the first 14 verses, they are saved. Is that it? Uh, that's it, preacher. That's all there is. Just as long as I'm saved from hell, that's all that matters. That ain't the way he thought about it. He's going he's gonna to write five more chapters. He's going to write five more chapters to this church. And then we're going to get a letter. We're going to get a letter that John wrote that Jesus Himself said to this church at Ephesus. You know what happened? They left their first love. They left their first works. What happened to this church at Ephesus? I tell you by what I read, it looks like they got pretty exalted in themselves. They had discernment. They had some wisdom. But you know what? They left their first love. I believe this, friend, the first love at the church at Ephesus, if there's anything that I can see about it, it should be a love for the grace of God. It ought to be a love for the wonderful, marvelous, undeserved grace of God. And I believe that the first works for the love and the grace of God is praise be to the glory of His grace. Praise, praise. I tell you, the praise was gone. The grace was gone. It's all the works of man today. That's what we've got today. Ephesus left their first love. And left their first works too. So can we grow? According to Colossians chapter number 2, listen to this. Teresa, Teresa sung about it, sounded to me like. Colossians chapter number 2, verse number 9. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him. I'm complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's going to write to the church at Colossae, and you know what the problem is there? I tell you, philosophy is in competition with the grace of God. The law is in Colossae and, and ceremony. Also down at Galatia is in competition and in addition to the grace of God. I tell you, I was saved by grace alone. There is absolutely nothing that I added to that. You say, well, you had to do this and had to do that. I tell you, everything that I did was given unto me. Uh, the faith that I had was given unto me. The gospel was given unto me. The Holy Ghost was given unto me. The Holy Ghost was given unto the preacher. Uh, the Spirit and the powers given unto the church. Uh, the Word of God was written down. That was a gift. Every bit, everything that I've got, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I'll tell you anything and everything that he was was by the marvelous, wonderful grace of God. He should be getting all the glory. 
His grace. I am, and ye are complete in Him, which is head of all principality and power. Leave away. Verse number 8, chapter 2, Colossians. Forget your philosophy. Get rid of that. What, what do I have in Christ? I'm complete in Him. Verse number 11, circumcised. In whom you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hand. In Him. In Him I'm circumcised. Not in Abraham, in Christ. Abraham was circumcised in the flesh. I am circumcised in the heart. There's been a heart circumcision. It's to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what else He did? I'm, I, I, I've been circumcised in Him. It's not been with the hands. But I tell you what, I've been buried with Him in baptism. When He died, praise God, I died as well. And when He got up, I got up as well. And you say, well, that didn't happen. I tell you, in the mind of God it did. By the Word of God it did. According to Romans, I did. According to Colossians, I did. Buried with Him in baptism. Risen with Him through faith of the operation of God who raised Him from the dead. Buried with Him in baptism where also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God. Did God operate on you? He operated on me. I'll tell you that. It was God who operated on me. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him. Made us alive with Him. Now when, reason with me a moment, according to the Word of God, Jesus died before the foundation of the world. Is that right? That's what the Bible says. But it says that I died with Him and I got up with Him. You tell me that God don't foreknow? You tell me that foreknow means God looking down through the ages of time and seeing what I will do? Oh, no. I tell you what foreknow means. That God knew. God knew me before the foundation of the world. Is that what that means? He knew me before the foundation of the world. And according to what Paul said right here in Colossians, I died with Him, and He died before the foundation of the world. And He arose before the foundation of the world. And I got up with Him. I was in Him then. In the mind of God. I don't like that. It's all right. You just spit your Bible out. Spit these wonderful, beautiful, glorious. You know what this does? This takes away the glory from man and it gives it unto the Godhead. This takes away the glory from man. Oh, I tell you, man is so wound up in himself. Chapter number 2 in Colossians is man wrapped up in philosophy, wrapped up in the law, wrapped up here. He quit, quickened me, blotted out the hand. There was the law. Verse number 14. There was the law. What did He do with the law? i tell you what He did. He covered and fulfilled every jot and every tittle of the law for me. My sins 
the handwriting of ordinances that was against me under the Old Covenant, under the First Testament. Jesus Christ did away with that. He obliterated that. He blotted that out. My faith in Him... Now listen, my faith came because of Him. My faith came through Him. My faith came as a gift from God. Is that not the Bible? That's right here in Ephesians chapter 2. So, am I complete? I tell you, thank God I'm completely saved. I'm completely forgiven. I'm completely justified before God. I am completely, I am absolutely and completely a keeper of all of the law through Jesus. If you're not in Christ, you're going to be judged by the law. You're going to be judged. Now who's he going to judge the world by? By that man whom he raised from the dead. But when we go and we stand before God, if you'll read, there's, there's two books there. Or there's a book and books. Right? If your name, and you can read it in the Revelation as well, if your name is not in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world, you're going to be judged out of the books. By their works. By their works. That man in Jesus said, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. You workers of lawlessness. You know what? There's only two ways to get in. Either I get in by grace, or I get in by keeping the law. By works. But you know what every man is going to be? Every man is going to be a worker of iniquity. A worker of lawlessness. Man is going to be judged by the lawlessness of his life. It's either that, or you come through faith in Jesus Christ. I am complete in Him. Completely saved, completely accepted, completely equipped, completely enabled, completely escaped, completely... I am completely... I have a salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, I am saved to the uttermost through me being in Christ. You think I wouldn't like to know more about that? Paul's praying that the church at Ephesus could know more about that. So as you look through uh, Colossians you're going to find a people that's trying to come under the law, a people that's trying to come under ceremony, a people that are trying to afflict their body, that they might be more spiritual, that they might be more acceptable. There's a people that is, is trying to show a, a, a will worship and, and humility that comes from man. Absolutely none of that is of no value whatsoever. I am complete in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. That's it. Nothing else. I'll hush right there.